0: Hey Dennis. Yo, what? Where do you go for legal advice? I go to www.bettercallsaul.com. Where don't you go for legal advice? www.hwepodcast.com
1: You're not getting legal advice here. Not from us. Hostile work environment. Exactly.
0: Hey, an appropriate workplace
1: topic. Hostile work environment. Shut up. The Human Resources Director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. <sighs> hey, Dennis. Hey, Mark. How are things? Things are good. The sun is out. We've had about four days oh, of God. sunshine in Portland after six months of none. So nice. There, I wouldn't say, I mean, there was still some rain during those four days, so I wouldn't say it's been completely dry, but I actually was able to mow my lawn yesterday, which was yeah. up to my waist. I spent yesterday power washing everything. Get yeah, that's good. Yeah. Do you have a power washer? Can I borrow it? Yeah, you can borrow it. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. It's fun. I, I totally need to do. It. I haven't done it in years, and my house is filthy. <laughs> you know what I learned yesterday? Uh, no. The
0: power of my power washer is sufficient that the recoil just about knocked me off of the ladder as I was trying to spray out our gutters and I wow. just about
1: went backwards into the driveway that would not have been that we would probably not be recording right now had that happened
0: probably not I think we probably would have taken a day
1: yeah so wow. be careful when all right use but it. now your your gutters are clear yeah the gutters are clear my gutters are totally backed up and it's like 30 feet to get up there and I don't have a ladder that's tall enough and Oh, one day, one day. Oh, huh. the joys of living in Oregon. <laughs> yes. So, um, got a cool case today. Really? Yeah. Good. This is, this case came to us from one of our listeners. Oh, even better. Uh, her name is Cecilia Boudreaux. She is from Louisiana. That is the most Louisiana name it ever. totally Cecilia is. Cecilia Boudreau.
0: Yes. Um, and I imagine her living in some sort of, you know, white mansion with lots of willows outside. And
1: yeah. So I don't columns. know. Like that to me is South Carolina for some reason. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Huh. Louisiana less so, but it could be anywhere in really? the South. I think. Maybe so. I don't know. I don't know the I don't know the South very well. I I went to New Orleans once. Oh, yeah. Uh, just once. I've never been to Louisiana. For a, for a conference. I um, did, however, watch
0: that. Um, in the Garden, a good and evil
1: movie. Oh, well, that practically counts like living there. I think they're interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is the story of Cindy T. White. Cindy T. White, not a Louisiana name. No, but but yeah, I don't know. Um, that's like an
0: Ohio name.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. She makes jello it's an salads. upper mid, it's an upper Midwest kind of name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So Jell-O salads, cheese dip. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't. That's not really Louisiana, no. but it also doesn't say that she made those things. But we can assume. OK, safely. Right. All right. So Ms. White interviewed for a human resources manager position at yeah. Diversified Food and Seasonings office in Covington, Louisiana. Oh, it is a Louisiana store. Yeah, no, it's a local. It's oh, like, okay. it was like a local I take case. back everything I said. Yeah, no, it's a local case. Okay. It's from Louisiana. Yeah, um, and she was like hella qualified for this job. Hella qualified. Hella qualified. Yeah, that's my word. Um, Thanks, Cartman. Yeah, thank you, Cartman. Um, she had a bachelor's degree from Tulane and the fine school. I found this interesting: a master's degree from Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Whoa! Which is. I mean, I don't like, maybe they do it online. I don't know. Or maybe she went to Jerusalem for several years. I don't know. That strikes me as unusual. But um, I don't have a master's degree from Hebrew University. Neither do I. Therefore, it's unusual. Yes. If it didn't happen to the two of us. It is unusual. If you're two white male hosts, then clearly (laughs) it's very unusual. Um, So they hired her. And they hired her in September of 2015 at a salary of $95,000 not too shabby. Not too shabby, especially for an HR manager. Yeah. Um 5 months later, she got promoted to a senior human resources director and that bumped her salary up to $105,000 annually. Okay. Then things go a little south. Oh good. You you knew that was coming probably. Yeah. So they discovered that she started having some trouble performing her duties and started delegating tasks that were clearly, like, within her area of responsibility. Yeah. I wish I had more details from the reporting on this as to, like, how that went down. And you'll see, like, this actually begs a really big question for me later. Okay. Um, but she gets promoted, and then she starts having some performance problems. Oh, wow. And that prompted someone else at Diversified to start looking a little more closely at her personnel file. Oh, good. Which led them to figure some things out. Oh good. She to, never went to Hebrew University. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Um she was not, in fact, who she said she was. <gasps> Identity theft. She actually had copied her credentials. Now this was her real name. Oh. Well. But she had copied her credentials from someone else on LinkedIn with the same name. Oh my God. And she then went on. To what the article says is an unspecified online online site, which I'm like, dark webs kind Ooh, of stuff, yeah. I don't know, right? And stole that person's social security number and oh driver's my, license number. Oh, my God. You're right? kidding which me. Which is like, that's super scary. Although, yeah. I happen to have one of those names that nobody could really pretend that they have a name that's close to mine. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Right.
0: I have found exactly one other Dennis Westland in all of the universe and he's like some retired carpenter in Arizona. Yeah. There are
1: 6 Alafans as far as I know in the world. That's a pretty small number. There's nobody number else of with our name, so aliphances. Yeah, and no, I know, know their marks within the yeah. family. So, anyway, um so someone Contacted the St. Tammany Parish's Sheriff's Office because remember we're in Louisiana. They don't. Right. They have parishes. Parishes, not counties. Not counties. Um, and they discovered something even crazier. No. What? So it turns out that Miss White had engaged in some prior shenanigans. Yes. In fact, she previously worked for the Orleans Parish Sheriff's Office back in the '90s. Oh. And in February 1997, she was arrested for theft, forgery, and malfeasance in office. Mm. She was accused then of basically the same thing. She assumed a coworker's identity, emptied the victim's bank account, and then got ID'd by surveillance photos. Oops. Oops. So they figured out who it was. She pleaded guilty to two counts of forgery on September 27th, 1997, and was placed on probation. Nice. That wasn't the end of it, though. I would assume not. Uh, A year later, a little more than a year later, on December 4th, 1998, she also pleaded guilty in Jefferson Parish, there's all these parishes coming up here, for attempted theft of goods. Attempted theft of goods? Yes. I'm kind of curious what happened there? Yeah, no details that I could find immediately in these articles. So tried to shoplift, but you know, I, well, you got you got caught on the way out. Maybe so. Is that still an attempt if you don't make it past the door? See, I, I, I don't thought
0: know. they let you past the door
1: so that then it was can a get completed outside, crime, so. and they
0: could get you outside. It may be urban legend, but I was always told that until you actually take the, the, the shoplifted good out of the premises, it's not actually shoplifted.
1: <laughs> Clearly, the two of us are not shoplifting lawyers.
0: No. Maybe we need to go back and review our torts. Right. Do not take anything that we say as legal advice on how to shoplift.
1: Yeah, or not, or anything. Or anything, really. R- we're really, just, We're yes. just here BSing. Um, so then something very sad happened. Oh. She died. What? Yeah, she died.
0: But 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 but,
1: I am confused. I don't see why. Um, because <laughs> she reappears as a fake HR manager soon. So in 1999, the courts court records indicate that her probation was terminated because the court received information that she had passed away. I have a suspicion I know
0: what's going on. And if I am right, this woman is my hero. So clearly
1: that was wrong. <laughs> she she faked not. her own she death. faked her own death. Bingo. She is now my hero. Um, all of this came out at trial. And last week, it took jurors 15 minutes to return a guilty verdict on a charge of identity theft over $1,000.
0: Wow. And is that a charge on stealing the LinkedIn identity of this HR and, manager? Well, I think
1: LinkedIn plus driver's well, license. Plus driver's license. Plus and, social security number. I mean, those things aren't as important as that's LinkedIn. That's clearly obviously. identity theft. Yeah. And clearly she used that for monetary gain. Yeah, But it's different in this case. And that's part of where I want to get to with my questions yeah. in a minute here is um, in the prior case, she engaged in identity theft and emptied out the bank account. Right. Here she engaged in identity theft and worked. So here's here's kind of here's where I think this goes into some interesting yeah. questions. So as I said, it took them just 15 minutes to return the guilty verdict. Right. Her sentencing is actually happening the day after this airs. So we're recording this on a Sunday. It will air tomorrow on right. Monday. And her sentencing is on Tuesday. Tuesday. So keep an eye out. If we can find any reporting on this. Later in the week. We'll tweet that. We'll tweet it. Uh, Our Twitter account is? At HWE Podcast. Right. So follow us on Twitter. And if we can find anything or if you find something before we do. Yeah, let us know. Please tweet at us about it and we will will broadcast that on our Twitter accounts. Um, uh, So this kind of whole situation kind of raises... I think two questions for me. Okay. One is a little more factual and just there's no way we're going to know the answer to it, but I want to talk about it anyway. Yeah. And the second, I think, is the question that you'd expect me to ask here. Okay. Following following the setup. All right. So question number one is, if she was a total faker, which she clearly was. Right. How did she get promoted? Oh. She worked for five months. And nobody thought a thing, and they promoted her. That's a really good question, right? I'm like, so is it if you're hired to do a job? Yeah, even if you're not you, and you're doing the work, right? Are you working for right? I mean, is is right? Would yeah? I mean, and I think the answer to that is yes. So how can they? All right, I just, I'm just i just struggling from a fact standpoint here. Like, okay, so they thought she was competent at yeah. her job, and then they promoted her, and she struggled with some of the new things, right? Like, that's weird because she would have passed all sorts of different well, kind of not tests, formal tests, but well, no. kind of tests of competence in order well, to be thought of it, right, over those first five months. Depending on
0: what she's doing, there's certain jobs, and I think HR is one of them. Lawyer is possibly another Where you actually can fake it pretty good for a time because the results of what you do might not be immediately apparent. That's fair. Like if let's say I show up and I fake my way into an HR job and I start giving HR directives and advice, fire that guy, write the policy this way.
1: Um, settle that lawsuit, don't settle this lawsuit, you know. Right. But if you had competent management through that and competent peers, they would be seeing and hearing a little bit about what you're doing during that time. Well, you're making some assumptions
0: there. And one of them is that your peers actually see what you do, which is not always the case. I mean, sometimes people operate, at least for a period of time, in a bit of a vacuum. Totally. And it's only when what you do blows up in your face that others see that you're incompetent. Like that's fair. I, I I mean I can tell you and it is I have had the pleasure of working with many many absolutely stellar people and a very small number of not so terribly competent people. And those not so competent people have had some really creative ways of hiding their incompetence. It you know sooner or later they're going to get Found out is, you know, being a bozo. But they can go a long <laughs> time before that happens.
1: That's fair. Right. And maybe they're in a situation here. It doesn't tell us what the workforce is like at this location. Right. She could have been on an island, right, yeah. here as the only HR person a, for this a location. A figurative island. Well, oh, no. Yes.
0: Louisiana has islands.
1: I mean, they could be it, on a yeah, little island I don't, I, don't, I, I don't know where Covington is, you know, yeah. in relation to New Orleans. I, I'm guessing it's on land. Maybe. Yeah. Um, that's not island-like, but right. I don't know if we should we could they call find that, that out. They call that mainland. Mainland, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but, no, a figurative island. Um, and they had an opening and they needed to put somebody in it. Yeah. And it could have been that it wasn't done with a whole lot of thought. I mean, I'm guessing it was not done with a whole lot of thought, given what was discovered relatively soon thereafter. Yeah. That she's not competent. Okay, so with that in front of us, Here's the next question. All right. So part of the claims in this prosecution were that she should pay restitution for having fraudulently earned $56,000 between October 2015 and May of 2016. Um, Really? She clearly worked the time. Exactly. Right? And, you know, we just discussed she got promoted. Yeah. So is her salary theft? No, and if it is, or is not, they clearly suffered her to work. What would the FLSA, FULSA Fair Labor Standards Act, actually don't we don't actually say that? But uh, now we're just going to make everything into into a pronounceable acronym. Yeah, what would the FLSA say about that? Man. And that's when you were
0: when you said you had questions, I kind of assumed that would be one of the questions. Yes. That was that my is, question.
1: That is the question. And it, and actually, it's it is a question that C- Cecilia put to me when she sent me this. Yeah. She's like that enrages me. Me, too. Me, three that. Right. Like she gets to be paid for all of this time and she's trying to argue that she's owed the time. And I'm like, no, I call shenanigans. Tell me. She worked. She gets
0: paid. Right. The fact that you're not competent at your job is not an excuse not to pay somebody. Right. And I've had m- multiple cases throughout my career where somebody has BSed their way into a situation where they are now employed. It's something that maybe they weren't totally qualified for. Ultimately, they're going to get caught. But in the meantime, they still get paid. If they're doing the job, they get the pay. They might be a scumbag. They might should go to jail for identity theft. You know, they might burn in in eternal hellfire if that's your
1: angle on life. But they still get paid. They still get paid. And that was my response. That was my reaction to it. Um, which doesn't make me think that that's necessarily fair or right in the world, that she could engage in fraud and still benefit from it in that way. So, you know, it's the right answer under the law. Totally. Right? And I actually think that's an easy calculation. Yeah. I also, I also very much understand being frustrated by that. Yeah.
0: Now, I, I can imagine a situation where we could reconcile these things. Okay. So... Restitution in criminal law is a way that the courts make you pay back something that you took that you shouldn't have taken. Mm-hmm. The FLSA says you need to be paid for the work that you did. Yes. So if she has been paid for the work that she did, the FLSA is satisfied. Yes. If she now has to return that money because she never should have gotten the job in the first place, the criminal law is satisfied. Maybe the two of them are in harmony.
1: I'm not sure about that. I mean, like, I like it. Something still stinks about it. Because she did the work. Yeah, she did the work. And, right, like, that would effectively be saying, yes, she got paid and you're taking it away. Is that like a deduction? Is that just form over substance that you're taking maybe right? So. And now she's right, you take it all away, she's not making minimum wage or anything else. I assume it's exempt, so maybe yeah. right. But but then you'd even take her under the thresholds for exempt status.
0: Unless you can really show like she actually didn't do the work. Right. She just showed up, you know, watched watched YouTube all day long and cashed her paycheck. Right. In which then kind of begs the question
1: like, why'd you promote her? Right. Right. Which I think is I think that's a problem for them in trying to make this argument. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if this will even be reported on. I don't really know how prominent in the case was. Both of the articles I read talked about that they were making arguments around that, but it didn't talk about what the specific claim huh. was. You know, when I say around that, meaning, you know, paying back the money right. that she'd earned, there was no discussion of the FLSA in these articles. Well, no. But – I'm. It's a. It's kind of interesting, right? It's, it's kind it's, of interesting. I think to it's me. relatively easy legal, to, you know, discussion and analysis, but it's. It does not. It it doesn't strike me as fair. Kind of on either side of it. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever had a resume fraud case? I haven't. I had one. Did you? <laughs> what was
0: What was interesting? Oh, I think you've told me this story before. I'll just, if if not,
1: this is worthwhile
0: either way. I'll tell the story. It's It's pretty short. We actually had a client who came to us with a lawsuit. The plaintiff in the lawsuit was claiming he had been fired in retaliation for complaining of race discrimination. And they thought all along that he was just a, you know averagely incompetent employee, they did fire him because he was not terribly good at his job, but not like spectacularly bad. Okay. Um, He did engage in a little misconduct that sort of exacerbated the circumstance and they made a decision to fire him. He came along and claimed retaliation. Well, when we got his resume as part of discovery, I looked at it and I didn't see anything weird about it. I just went, oh, he's from Illinois. My co-counsel, who is from Illinois, went, this guy's a fraud. And I was like, really? Why? And he goes, he says he went to the University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana. And I'm like, and? He goes, well, I went to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. <laughs> and by the way, champagne's not spelled like the drink. Oops. So we called up the University of <laughs> uh, Illinois. And by the way, it, this was like 15 years ago. And I forget if it's Champagne Urbana or, or, or Urbana, Urbana Champagne. Champagne but yeah, I always get them back. Either top, way, yeah. this guy had them backwards. Well, we called up the University of Illinois, gave him the guy's name. And they're like, yeah, he's never gone here. So we took his deposition and said, oh, you." my co-counsel took it. He's, oh, you went to the University of Illinois. So did I. When were you there? And just leads him down the path. And he goes
1: yeah, sure
0: champagne Urbana, blah, blah, however it is, you know. it's. I always get those confused. How do you <laughs> keep them straight? And the guy just totally came unglued and lost it. Right. He, he couldn't maintain the charade anymore. That's awesome. So
1: that's how we found, like, resume fraud. I don't think I've ever had a resume fraud case. I've had fraud cases where we discovered fraud in Discovery. Oh, sure, all the time. Right? I had a great case once where – uh we had a document that we'd seen in like a uh, an EEoc file, like a closed file that we'd gotten through the discovery process. yeah, and this document, which I don't remember exactly what the document was anymore, was unsigned when at that point in time it was it was a document that showed certain things on it, but it was not signed by the plaintiff. The document oh. version that was produced in discovery to us from the plaintiff was signed and backdated interesting from before the date that it would have been provided so we put that in front of them in oh, the deposition cool. yeah. and they dismissed the, the case the day after as they right? should and so those are the sorts of things that are, are fun to look for inconsistencies and small frauds yeah that can help get cases on the defense side dismissed very quickly right i'm sure it happens also on the plaintiff's uh, side there, yeah there where is defendants are are changing documents as well, yeah, and in that case, it's
0: it's not just that you can show the guys a lion sack. What you can actually show in that case is something called the after-acquired evidence, absolutely, defense, which is where you fired somebody, they're suing you, but if you can show that you learned of something during the course of the lawsuit that would or any have any time
1: after the termination, or any
0: time after the termination, that would have resulted in their termination regardless. You can cut off their ability to recover economic damages from the from point of date.
1: discovery forward. Yes. So, and and I know both you and I have made use of that right. many times. Yeah,
0: all the time. But in the in our resume fraud case, we never it never occurred to us to say like, oh, and this guy not just cut off his damages from the date we discovered his resume fraud. You should not not give him a dime because. He committed resume fraud. It didn't occur to us because we just thought, well, the guy did work. Right. He did a crappy job and he didn't have the degree he claimed, but he still worked. Right. So there you have it. Yeah. That was an interesting case.
1: I thought it was fun. I
0: like that it's from Louisiana. We don't get a lot from Louisiana up here.
1: Yeah. I'll, although I I will say it does sometimes feel like we have a disp- disproportionate southern case bent here we're not doing a whole lot of cases from san francisco but we have gotten a whole bunch from alabama louisiana yeah. right like uh tennessee has come up a few times i believe
0: yeah um, what's up Kentucky with that
1: maybe i don't know i don't
0: hmm. know one of our southern listeners is going to have to enlighten us about why the south is such an awesome hotbed of employment law cancer. right
1: and some of our other listeners are going to have to send us stories from other parts of the country so that yeah. we can California mock everybody. I know California is. California probably has more than anywhere else. They're they're nutty down there. Totally nutty. Yeah. All right. Step it up, California listeners. All right. (laughs) We'll be right back. Right back. Mark. Dennis. What are we both doing right now? Uh, well, that could mean a bunch of different things. We're sitting, and we're re- exactly uh, you, you nailed it. Okay, I got it right on the right. We're I was sitting. like, we both have our arms crossed. Yeah. We both have computers in front of us. We're both reporting, recording right. a podcast. But the reason but I they ask, are sitting, we're both sitting, and the
0: significance of that, I did not know this until like today. There is a law in the state of take a wild guess.
1: <laughs> Wyoming? We, we, we just
0: ragged on them. Louisiana? No.
1: California. California. Uh-uh. Okay. A nutty state. A nutty state. Totally Cal- nutty state.
0: California has a law. It was comes out of a Supreme Court of California ruling that says if you can ju- if you can do your job while seated, your employer
1: must provide you with a chair. Okay. I weird, but but also seems like it's implied in some. W- I, I mean, like not implied, but like seems like if, if it's a sitting job, you should be able to have a seat to do it in. Yeah. Question is, what is a sitting job? Well, I'm guessing I'm going to hear about. Well, that. there's an interesting lawsuit
0: coming out of the state of California right now. It is a class action against Walmart brought on behalf of Walmart cashiers. And this statewide class of Walmart cashiers is claiming that they have a legal entitlement to sit while they, you know, scan items that are coming down the conveyor belt when they're doing their checking. Seems legit, right?
1: I don't know. Well, because as I think, I think about what a scanner is doing. They need to reach. They need to move stuff. Sometimes they need to bag stuff. Sometimes they need to be up and about on their feet. Can they do the job entirely sitting? And Walmart says no. And therein
0: lies the fight. What Walmart is saying is our cashiers do some things that they can do while seated. But they do a lot of things that they do while standing. They... When there's not goods coming through and they're actively scanning things, they have to go and take all of the clothes hangers and sort them and put them back. They take things, you know, when you go to the checkout line and you buy a whole bunch of crap and then you get up there and you find out that you only got 20 bucks and you're like crap and you got to figure out what you're not going to buy and then you just like leave it there and walk off. They have to take those things and they have to restock them or put them somewhere.
1: There's plenty of things. So according to Walmart, this is a really active position that you have to be able to do while you're standing. So then I would ask the question, what's the intent behind the law? Is it for jobs where you can do the entire job sitting?
0: Ah.
1: Or is it for jobs where you can do some duties while sitting? And if there's any duties that you can do while seated, Do you have to provide a chair for those? But here's
0: another thing that Walmart says. Oh? They say that their workers are more productive when they're standing. Because what you could do is you could come along and say like, okay, fine. Here's a stool. When you want to sit and you're doing sitting stuff, sit. When you don't want to sit and you want to do the stand-up stuff, get up. But Walmart says, no, we don't want to do that because our people are actually far more productive and efficient and fast and all that good stuff. Provide better customer service
1: if they stand all the time. I'll tell you that that argument does not persuade me as much as the first. Maybe not. Right. Because I can think of lots of jobs where you could argue that performing them standing up will cause you to be more productive. Oh, I, you know, I it's. Is that part of the intent behind the law about productivity? Or is it about, can you perform the essential functions of the job? I mean, I'm using ADA language in saying that, but can you perform the job seated? Right? Clearly, the answer here is parts of it, yes. Does that have anything to do with productivity? Unless you could then argue the opposite side of that, which I'm sure Walmart is doing, which is there's a certain level of productivity that is required by the job. Right. If
0: I check out one customer an hour, I'm probably not doing
1: my job. Right. But, does, right. but then you'd have to show that right cashiers that are seated are only checking out one customer an hour. And, well, and those checkout lanes have lines to the back of the store.
0: And here's Walmart's other problem. So that law in California that says you have to give somebody a seat if they can do their job seated... Is not disability based. Right. They do have a requirement, just like every other state, to provide reasonable accommodations for I was somebody with a disability.
1: This. I was gonna and ask. This.
0: Undoubtedly, there are cashiers who claiming disability who have a sitting workstation.
1: Right, so then you ask, so they can perform the job with or without accommodation, and they have determined that the accommodation that's appropriate is the stool or a seat. How can you then argue that others can't perform the job that way? Exactly. I think it's fascinating. That's crazy interesting. It's an interesting law. I'd be really interested to see some of the legislative history and intent behind it, and see if that answers any of these questions. Um, Because there sounds like you know, just as a basic proposition it's a little vague and ambiguous.
0: Yeah. Well, if I get ambitious this week, I'll dig into it a little further, might tweet about it. Please at do. At HWE podcast <laughs> on Twitter. True. Um what I thought really interesting about this though and 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 why this really like struck me when I read about it is in my recent experience, I've dealt a lot more with people who want to stand at work than who want to sit.
1: Well, that certainly seems to be a trend, right? Standing desks and, uh, right, like... So,
0: can I tell you a little story on that?
1: No. All right. Bye.
0: (laughs) Ass. Anyway, (laughs) let let, let me tell you a little story about that. Because even though you said no, our listeners all said yes. Yeah, that's true. Because they want to hear me.
1: Um, I I have not figured
0: out why yet, but... (laughs) Me neither. But, you know, people still download. So, at my last job... I had just started at my job, and I was experiencing some some back pain, as you know, many people of my vintage do. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor's like, "Yeah, you should, probably shouldn't sit all the time. Sitting's not good for you. And you've got you know a at times sedentary job. You should stand up." And I was like, "Okay, cool." So our my my works. Actually, they had on staff, because we were a rather large organization, they had on staff an ergonomic specialist. Great. And I called her up and she came out and like looked at my workstation and was like, Yeah, you should totally have a stand-up desk. You're a train wreck. So <laughs> the procedure back then, stand-up desks relatively a new thing. If you wanted a stand-up workstation, You had to get your manager to approve it, and then they just went out and got the the office supplies people to come in and install new furniture for you. So I did all of that stuff. Great. And it was purely just an, I didn't pursue this as a disability thing. It was not an ADA. eh, It was not an ADA thing. It was just purely an ergonomics thing. Could it have been? It could have been. I mean, I could have gotten a note from the doctor that says, you know, Dennis has scoliosis and as a result of that, he has, you know, back pain that is exacerbated by sitting and he really should have a stand-up desk. I just
1: didn't. Well, if you, especially if you felt like you didn't need to go through the process and you'd get what you needed anyway. Right. Then why bother? But here's what happened. Uh-oh. I
0: now have a stand-up desk in my office and Everybody who would come into my office would look at my stand-up desk. Be like, with I want that. Yes. And everybody and their brother wanted a stand-up desk. So I was sort of patient zero in this fever for stand-up desks. <laughs> and before you knew it, we were inundated with requests for stand-up workstations. Most of them by people who did not have a disability. Most of them who wanted it for, you know... Legitimate ergonomic purposes. There's a lot of data and research out there that says stand-up desks are a good thing. Yes, um, but a lot of people just wanted them because it looked cool. So it became a real financial burden, because suddenly, yeah. well, you were a had, very
1: large organization.
0: It was a very large organization, and suddenly all these people wanted, you know, to modify their furniture and have a stand-up workstation. Here's the irony. They wanted somebody to write a policy (laughs) on stand-up workstations. And who got to do that? Oh, I think I'm looking at them right now. They went to their in-house counsel, who clearly has no conflict of interest there. To write the policy on how to request and seek approval for a non-ADA required stand-up desk. yeah, Who may or may not
1: have gotten one under the policy that he was writing. I would not have gotten one. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I've yeah. seen a lot of, like, the sit-stand desk where the, the desk actually, like, has a, a motor and it goes up and down. Which I mine does, the, too. I bought never one used it. Right, bought one for myself. But I actually think that there's, an, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a simpler solution for a lot of folks, which is get the – the stand-up desk. Where it only—it's less expensive. It's just a tall desk, yeah. And then get a raised chair that you can have with it. So if you want to sit, sit in the high chair.
0: That's brilliant. And stand
1: at the desk, and then you don't have to spend the extra on the motor for the desk that goes up and down and up Why and down. Why aren't you and I running the world here? I mean, a tall desk and a bar stool right? would solve everybody's. Step problem. one: start a podcast. Step, Step two, two: question mark. Don't know. Step three: rule the world. Exactly we just got to figure out step two.
0: That's right. If anybody
1: knows about yeah. how we might stories. figure out step two, stories H- at hwpodcast.com. W- <laughs> well,
0: why don't we come back and have you tell us a fascinating listener story?
1: I'll do my best. Right back. All right. I got a story for you. Hit me. Well, you're a little far across the table. Hit me with your story. I know. All right. Uh, This is titled A Delayed Holiday Story. We love those. Holiday
0: stories are the best, especially when delayed. or not. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it wasn't delayed, it would be some lame holiday that probably wouldn't generate a story. I don't no, want to hear No, your no, no, Arbor no, no, Day no, 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 no. I totally
1: just. No, I, if you have Arbor Day stories, I totally want to hear that. Actually, that would be good. I take that back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good arbors the lesser holidays I'll put in quote unquote or the non-traditional yeah. like that everybody hears about stories I want to hear your non-traditional holiday stories I want to hear a good administrative assistance day story totally cuz
0: there's got to be like a million
1: right or boss appreciation day Ooh. <laughs> those are fodder for so much so much all right so our listener says I really wanted to submit this back in December When you were doing your company holiday party stories, but perhaps now, uh, as some organizations are starting to do initial planning for end-of-year parties, it is an equally appropriate time. It's a good theory, too. Yeah. Um, This story goes back to my first quote-unquote real HR job. I was 18 years old and, by at least a decade, the youngest person on our HR team. My first big event was to help with coordinating and planning our company holiday party. Due to strict budget limitations, it was decided that we would be holding the party uh, for about 400 employees and their plus ones at our corporate headquarters. Okay. The cost cutting didn't end there. To keep from having to hire an event staff, it was decided HR would be the one serving the food. Oh, and dispensing the alcohol. Did oh, I but mention, of course. Did I mention there was alcohol? We just assumed. Yes. Um All employees received... Sober holiday parties do not result in... In being told on this podcast. Yeah. Um, All employees received two drink tickets for themselves and two for their plus one. Efforts were made to exclude drink tickets from the invitations that went to employees who were under 21, but we never checked IDs. So if someone happened to grab a drink ticket from someone else who didn't want theirs, there was nothing stopping them from getting a drink at the company-sponsored event. Did I mention HR were the ones serving the drinks, including me, an 18-year-old junior employee in his first year with the company?
0: 18, and you're in HR?
1: Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I will note, I'm pretty sure that most states, many states, some states have laws that say that you can serve alcohol. Uh, at the age of 18, as if you're a waiter, some, but not um, all, I think Oregon, you have to be 21. Oh, I thought I was going to say, I thought Oregon was 18, but I could not sure somebody please, you know, feel free to write in and correct us on that. But I, I know it's some States. Yeah. Um, not sure about this particular state. Um, as the night went on, things got messier and messier, uh, As they always do. (laughs) All right. Several of the HR people stopped checking for drink tickets, meaning it essentially became an open bar around 11 p.m. Not wanting to be left out of the fun, the HR staff started to indulge as well. I was actually a pretty good kid at 18, and I'm sure you were, um, still new to the company, uh, didn't want to end up in any kind of trouble. Uh, So I had the good sense to stay out of it. But I still recall one senior executive vomiting all over the floor, (laughs) right in front of the main entrance. It's marking territory, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, At the end of the evening, shortly after 1 a.m., several of the HR people and some other folks decided they wanted to continue the party at a club downtown. Knowing I couldn't have gotten into the club, I just decided to go home. As I was leaving, our VP of HR asked me if I would take all the excess bottles of wine home, as she'd already given most of them away to the people who stayed late as parting gifts and didn't want to take the rest. I don't drink wine, and she knew full well I was underage, but encouraged me by saying, just give them away to your older friends or family. Seems legit. So that's the story of how I left my first corporate holiday party with four cases of cheap wine and a story I'll never forget. Four cases? Four cases. Wow. That could have made you the most popular kid in
0: high school. Right. <laughs> or freshman year of college. Right. Wow. First HR job. Yeah. 18. You know, it reminds me of my first job. Really? Yeah. My first, well, my, my first, like, real job As opposed to like the under the table stuff that you get as a kid. But like my first like, you know, taxes withheld kind of job. I was working at a fancy restaurant in Newport, Oregon. It's called the Embarcadero. And at the time, that was like the fanciest place in town. It might still be. And a lot of people back then would drink wine with their meal. An amazing number of people don't finish their wine.
1: Which I don't understand. I drink a bottle of wine. I drink a bottle of wine. Well, for like the price per ounce. Yeah. I'm like especially in a restaurant, around. right? I mean, if it's a $10 glass of wine, you better believe I'm drinking the whole thing. Yeah. But you'd be surprised how many people would get a bottle
0: and then leave like a third of it. Oh, if it's in the bottle, in the bottle. still. So the staff. <laughs> I love where this is going. We would We would, you know, clear the table and we would take those bottles of wine. And we had these. This is kind of. You know this my tastes have improved over the years. We had two buckets that we kept in the bus station, one was for reds <laughs> and the other was for whites in the bus station. I've never told you this story no. we, we so we would dump the reds in one bucket and the whites in the other, and it, we were mixing yeah. all
1: the different kinds of wet reds and what about right. okay we didn't have roses so <laughs> I'm glad you went. i I started to ask the question and then i I was like, no, that's totally not.
0: No, I don't so need to they'd ask be that, like and
1: I'm glad you knew what I was asking. Pinot's, Merlots, cabs,
0: they would all go in the red bucket, Pinot Gris, Chardonnays, Beaslings oh would all sounds, go in the white bucket. That sounds awful. And then we'd close the restaurant around like 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and it was, you know, summertime. We'd take our buckets of wine and we'd go sit out on the docks, because we were also a marina, and we'd drank wine all night. And then around 3, 4 in the morning, we'd pack up our stuff, we'd go back into the restaurant, we'd clock out, and, no. <laughs> and then we'd all go home. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I don't recommend that. Well, that part
1: of it, I mean.
0: None of this show is legal advice, and the Embarcadero can't fire me well, twice.
1: I, I think, so. I, and I think the know. statute of limitations is probably run on that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what the statute is on a minor in possession. but Oh, well, that. I meant your your wage theft. Wage theft, you know, three thirty five an hour adds up, man. And on that note, um, I think it's probably time to wrap this thing up. Okay, time how, to land this plane. How can people find us? They can find us on the twitters. We've mentioned it a couple times at HWE Podcast. They can find us on email, where you should send your stories. We're really low right now. Low, as in like empty. Like that bucket has been drained. Yes. Send your stories to stories at hwepodcast.com, which is also the domain of our website where you can find all of our episodes, our show notes, embarrassing photos of Mark, www.hwepodcast.com.
1: And last but not least folks want to support us. Patreon. In a financial sense. Yes. Help us continue this operation. Right. If you go to
0: www.patreon.com slash hwe, you too can join the ranks of such noted people as Jason Gardner, Heidi Pancake, Jordan George, Ryan Vesey, Tammy Kravitz, Liz Large, Colleen Coco, and last but not least, Sean McGuire. Sean McGuire. And as you'll also note on Patreon, Mark, you may have forgotten this, but we had certain goals. We did, and one of our goals, we have managed to get five percent towards. <laughs> yeah, I know we got a ways to go, but we're five well, percent of this, the it's way good thing there. To start
1: high, right? But
0: you know what happens if we don't meet our goal?
1: Oh well we said a bunch of things, but one of them was that you were gonna sing. Am well, I remembering that right? That
0: that might be, but our first goal was that you know, we had to we had to hit like two thousand dollars a month or some ridiculous amount that we're not even close to. Yeah, it was two thousand dollars a month. But we said if we don't hit that in some reasonable amount of time, deemed reasonable by, by us, us, yes, we will do an episode entirely in the style of Barney the purple dinosaur.
1: Oh, did we say that? Yeah.
0: And I'm feeling like if we don't see some Patreon love, we might have to pull out the Barney. I love you. You love me. Yeah. Yeah. People, please. Don't don't allow that to happen. Don't allow that to happen. In the meantime, have a good week. Stay out of trouble. Yeah. We'll see you next Monday. All
1: right. Bye. Ta-ta. Dana, I love you, and if I wasn't married, I'd take you back to Cabo with me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it wasn't Cabo, Ari. It was a Red Roof Inn and Rosarito.
1: Well, it sure felt like Cabo to me, Dana.
0: Goodbye.